Well, we're glad to have you here on this Mother's Day. And as we had started next last week, make sure that you uh, fill out one of these praise reports. I'm sure God did something for you this week. Even if it's an uh, update on an ongoing situation, fill it out, put that in there. Uh, ask your our ushers right now, we'll uh, get one out there to you in case you didn't get one on your way in. Hold your hand up because I'm sure everybody needs one. I'm, I'm absolutely positive God's been busy this week, you know. I think God has been busy. Go ahead, raise your hand up, or ushers, we'll get that for you. We'll read them off here at the end of the service so that we can hear what it is that God has been doing. I left them in last week so that you all could hear who weren't, uh, weren't around them. We were actually trying to type them up, and my wife did type them up, sent them over to me, but somehow they got lost. I did finally get a message this morning saying that uh, we're trying to deliver this to you, but we're being delayed, and I have no idea what that means. So we'll figure it out. <laughs> but we welcome you here on this, this Mother's Day. I have a story to read for you about Mother's Day. Uh, it's familiar to me, but sometimes I read a whole lot of stories and I don't always tell them to you. And it doesn't look like it's one I ever told to you. So I was going to read it to you anyway. <laughs> this is what happens between the first, second, and third baby. Uh, in the area of a mother's wardrobe. First baby... You begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as your doctor confirms your pregnancy. The second baby, you wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. Third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. <laughs> A mom preparing for birth. First baby, you practice your breathing rig religiously. The second baby, you don't bother practicing because you remember the last time breathing into a thing. And third baby, you ask for an epidural in your eighth month. The baby's clothing, the first baby, you pre-wash your newborn's clothes, color coordinate them, and fold them neatly in the baby's little bureau. Second baby, you check to make sure that the clothes are clean and discard the ones with the darkest stains. Third baby, boys can wear pink, can't they? The pacifier, first baby, if the pacifier falls on the floor, you put it away until you can go home and wash it and boil it. Second baby, when the pacifier falls on the floor, you squirt it off and with some juice from the baby's bottle. Third baby, you wipe it off your shirt and pop it back in. <laughs> Diapering, the first baby, you change your baby's diapers every hour whether they need it or not. Second baby, you change your diaper every two to three hours if needed. Third baby, you, you try to change their diaper before others start to complain about the smell or you see it sagging to their knees. Going out, first baby, the first time you leave your baby with a sitter, you call home five times. Second baby, just before you walk out the door, you remember to leave a number where you can be reached. Third baby, you leave instructions for the sitter to call only if she sees blood. <laughs> and then at home, the first baby, you spend a good bit of every day just gazing at the baby. Second baby, you spend a bit... Uh, a bit of every day watching to be sure your older child isn't squeezing, poking, or hitting the baby. Third baby, you spend a little bit of, uh, little bit of every day hiding from the children. <laughs> well, I thought that was kind of a fun little, little thing for, for moms. You can tell us how true all those things are. Last week, we were looking at our, in this series at how we can develop trust. That We saw that Saul's problem was he didn't trust enough. And because of it, he got himself into some trouble. Because of it, he did some things that he should not have done. And that caused a problem, created some issues. So we looked at some things about how do you develop 
trust. We looked, remember it had the this, this, this scene of the bridge on there? If you're on Facebook, I put another picture of a bridge on Facebook. I wish I would have seen that one last week. That was, anybody see that one I put up there? Oh, that was, a, that was a bridge. I'll tell you, I like to know where that one was. That was, actually it wasn't a bridge. It was more of a um, cliff with a walkway on the, the side of it that there's no reason for a walkway to be there. Not that I can figure out. But you don't learn how to trust by standing on the land. You have to step out on the bridge. You have to start doing some things. In order for us to develop our trust in God, we have to begin to do some things that we haven't done before. As we've been going through this series, we saw that sometimes God asked for us to do some things that we hadn't done. He asks us what we have that He can bless. He looks for the effort that we have. How many times did Jesus say, by your faith, because of your faith? There was something on the part of the person. And there's something that we have to do. We can't just pray and then just leave it all up to God. There's something that we need to do. We need to stay busy. As we look into this week, I wrote this in mine. I had it in yours, but ran out of room. So I took this one out. But have you been doing all you know to do and still you are stuck in the same problem? The same one you were stuck in before. For a long time, you've been stuck in this problem. How did we become stuck and how do we get stuck? How do we get unstuck? How do we get out of it? How do we get ourselves out of the place of being stuck where we keep facing the same problem, the fa- same health issue, the same financial need, the same uh, emotional trauma, this, whatever it is that we're facing, it's just the same thing. We're not getting past it. We're not finding a way to have the victory over this thing. We're going to go back over to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1 and verse 1. John chapter 1. And verse 1, you can look up on the screen, you can open up in your Bibles. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. From these, this uh, scriptures here, we learn some things about the Word. First off, the Word is eternal. It has always existed. The Word always was. The Word always will be. Second, the Word is equal to God. In the beginning was the Word. So in the beginning, when things began, the Word was there. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is equal to God. The Word is God. All things were made well, he, he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. The Word is creative. Get these four things down about the Word. First off, it is eternal. The Word is equal to God. The Word is God. And the Word is creative. When you go back in the book of Genesis, how does the creation story go? And God said. Every time that we see something being done in the Word of God, somebody says something. Somebody speaks something. It's always being, there's always something that's being said. By Jesus, all things were created. He is the Word of God. We have the Word of God with us. 
This is part of him that he gave us. All things were made, or, or all things that are made, are created by the word. It's, it ends off here, where we ended off was, in him was life. That word there, life, we're real familiar with. Guess what word it is? Zoe. It is the God kind of life. It is the highest form of life the word in the Greek has. This is a life-giving, this is a, a, a life that comes in and completes you. This is an awesome life, abundant life. And this is what comes into you. In him was life. Life existed in him. If life is in him, what also is life in? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, oh, I'm sorry, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. So in, if in Him is life, also in the Word is life. There's life in the Word. Got to go on and see what he says in here. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life, same word, was the light of men. Our light comes from his life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Darkness and light don't mix. When light comes in, darkness runs. But in here, we're going to learn some things about this light that's here. Of course, the life here is Zoe. It was the life of men. Now, without light, living things don't grow, do they? If you've got a potted plant, what do you got to keep? If you want to keep it inside the house, what do you got to keep it near? Got to keep it in the light. Either the window, sometimes you can buy one of those lights you can put over top. And uh, it, now most people who, anybody know, go out there and buy plant lights? There, there's plant lights out there and there, there's all kinds of lights. Have you ever had a fish tank? You buy a light on top of the fish tank? I am convinced that there is no hobby in the world outside of saltwater fish and reef tanks that gets you more accustomed to what light is. It is amazing what light is. There is not just light. In the, uh, in the reef tank industry, there are all kinds of lights. There's this light they have and for them called metal halides. Ever heard of those? Suckers are hot. But it, up till now, it has been the closest thing we can come to sunlight. You know what the best light is, of course? Sunlight. And all those creatures living in the ocean, you know what they get to feast on? Sunlight. And so when we bring them into our homes... We want to have that little tank in there. We want to have all the corals and all the mushrooms and all the different things living. They need light. And if you look them up, each one, well, this needs strong light. This needs medium light. This needs low light. And if you put a low light into a high light condition, it's going to die. If you put a high light condition one into a low light situation, it's going to die. And so you have some that are supposed to go at the top of the tank and some that are going to the bottom of the tank. Now, God doesn't have to mess with all this. He just puts them in the ocean. They all know where to go. <laughs> And they don't have to mess with all the different kind of, you know, changing the bulbs, what kind of bulb you have. But when you get into the reef tank area, you've got you to make a study of this. What kind of light do you want to have? And so, you know, these were the, the ones that were out there, but they were expensive. They were hot. They heated up your tank, but they did a nice job with the, with the lights. Then they came out with some fluorescence. Then they came out with better fluorescence. Now you know what the new thing is? 
these new things are they're really good. They're, they they uh, don't burn hot at all. They give a really good type of light. It's called LEDs. It's not just in your TV. It's also on these. They make them for this this, this uh, application, and they are phenomenal. You can put them in there and pretty much not have to replace them. Fluorescents you got to replace every year. Metal highlights you got to replace every once in a while. But we're trying to get something that's closer to light. If something's not working in the tank, the light isn't, more than likely, the light isn't right. You have light, but you don't have the right kind of light to sustain what that organism needs. You need a certain kind of light. And if you don't get that light, you don't survive as well. You don't get through life in the same way. God has made you for his light. But there's a whole lot of other kind of lights out there. And sometimes we get under the wrong light. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. I heard somebody teaching on this uh, some time ago. I don't remember who it was, but they were teaching on this. And they brought out this about this word light. In him was life and the life was the light or the development of men. That by this life, we become developed or we grow. In him was life and the light, or the life was the light of men. We're going to flip over to John chapter 11, verse 10. But if one walks in the night, night is not light. He stumbles because the light is not in him. If the light is not in us, we stumble. If the light is not in us, we will stumble. Now, we're not comparing this to the thing that if you go out at nighttime, you grab a flashlight, pointing and bring that, that's, we're not talking about those things. He's talking about if you walk in the, in the night, this world is darkness. If you walk in this world, in the darkness of this world, and do not have the light on the inside of you, you will stumble. Because the light is not in you. First Peter 2 9, 2 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. His marvelous light. How many enjoyed some of those uh, sunshiny days we had this week? Anybody go out there and just enjoy the light? Mm. Yeah. First John 1 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is how much darkness? No darkness at all. In him is no darkness at all. Now the human eye, we can't tell some kinds of darkness that are there. I know when going back to the reef tank thing, the lights you put on there, if you put a fluorescent light on one of these things, one of these VHOs or T5s or different ones that they have for it, these are the different types of ones that they put out, that light can be burning and look fine to you and not be sufficient for what's inside. And you're burning the light, but it's not working. And so what they had to do with these things, but they had to put a shut off on the inside of them, that even though the fluorescent light would continue to burn, it would shut off because the production wasn't up to par. Because our, our eyes couldn't tell. What he's telling us here is, in God is no darkness at all. If you are in a light that has the remote resemblance of darkness 
It does not come from him. There is not just light and darkness. There is the light and there's everything else. We have to get under the light. First John 2 and verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Thank God for that. First John 2 and verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. One of the tests you can tell to find out, am I in the light, is look at the love you have for other people. If you are not walking in the light, your love for other people will have a problem. That's a real easy way to tell it. If you're not walking in forgiveness, if you're walking in bitterness, that's not the light. And you are setting yourself up to stumble. The Word of God tells us that darkness cannot comprehend this light. Who is in darkness? Well, the world is in darkness. But I'll tell you what, some believers, how many of y'all know some believers, some people that go to church, but you talk to them, you say, they're, they're, they're not light, they're darkness. <laughs> they have no idea. You try and tell them some things you learn in the Word of God, and they say, huh? What? They're, they're in darkness on those, some, of those, some of those things. Darkness cannot comprehend the light. Now, here's the difference. Do you remember the story when Jesus said to the disciples, who do men say that I am? Mm-hmm. And so they answered, well, you know, some say that you're John, come back to life. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Some say this, that, and the other thing. He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response to him was, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Do you think that Peter could understand the truth that was behind what he said? I don't think he fully understood it. Obviously, for the way that they lived out the rest of those uh, years with Jesus, they didn't quite understand it completely. But he still knew it. When you walk with God, You can know things even though it is beyond your understanding. That's walking in the light. Walking in darkness means if I don't comprehend, if I can't figure out how it works, mm -mm, I'm I'm not accepting it. Now, if you were the enemy and you wanted to trip up believers, what would you do in light of all this truth about light? How would you trip them up? What would, what, would you, what would your plans be around? Think of it this way. When you remember World War II and the Germans are trying to overtake different places, and so what they do, they, they, uh, they had the blitzrig thing going on, right? They had the planes they would send in, and the planes would come in, and they would do certain things, and then they would send in the tanks, and then they would send in the people, and they, they had a strategy on, on what they would do. They had a way, if we come against them this way, we can win, and it sure was working. It was sure working. The enemy has a strategy to come against you. If you were the enemy and you knew, now let's go back to that verse. In him was life, verse 4, John 1, 4. In him was life and the life was the light of men. If you wanted to come against men, people, what would you do? Put out the light. You got to come against this light. You've got to somehow come in and taint this light, block 
this light. You've got to get in there and, and cause this light to not illuminate the way that it was before. So how is it that the enemy is going to do these things? How does the enemy come against us in these things? Now, in Genesis chapter 3, in verse 1, we are familiar with this story. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? What's he doing? He's messing with the light, isn't he? Here's the light that came in. You can eat of any tree of the garden, but the tree in the center of the garden, tree of the knowledge you couldn't eat of, don't eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, living or in dying, you will die. That's how it actually reads. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And she came out and says, no, we can eat of, of, uh, we can eat of every tree of the garden except for this one. And then what does is what is Satan try and do? Well, God has withheld that because he knows that the day that you eat of it, you will become as God, knowing both good and evil. What's he trying to do to the light? He's trying to show the light in a different, different frame. Different, he's trying to corrupt that light. He's trying to dim that light. He's trying to get them to be turned on to a different type of light. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. I heard somebody teaching on this who had actually been to this place. I have not been to this place. But someone who was actually there to this place, he said that it's amazing. The rocks look like bread. They're just the way that they're shaped, the way that they're colored. They actually look like bread. I can't tell you that firsthand. I haven't seen any pictures. I just know that was what uh, someone who was there said so. So uh, you can check that out if you want to. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. If you are the Son of God. Why does Jesus think he is the Son of God? Because light came to him, right? Remember when he was little and went down to the temple? On their way back, he got left behind. They came back and get him. Scolding them, you know, <laughs> what happened to you? You're, we were wondering where you were. He says, did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Does he not know that he's the son of God? So what's the devil trying to do? He's trying to come in and take an established truth that Jesus has lived with for years and question it. If you are the son of God, you should be able to do this. If you don't, I guess maybe we're wondering whether you are the son of God. Who told him that he's the son of God? His father has revealed it to him. He's trying to get him to question it. But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What is the word? Life. And the, that life is the light of men. Then the devil took him up into the holy city set him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it isn't written. He shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. So what's he saying here? He's trying to tell him, look, we're going to pick you up in the pinnacle up here. Your mission is to come on down here. God has given you this mission to live down here. And by you living and by you teaching and by you doing miracles and so forth, people will know that you are the son of God. I got a shortcut for you. Hop on up here, jump on down. The angels will catch you. 
And then everybody will know you are the son of God. Everybody will know it. There's a shortcut way. But Jesus said to him, again, what's the light that comes from, from him? What's the light that comes from the Father? Jesus knows what the prophecies were. The prophecies are, and he even read them. After he, right when he started his ministry, he got into the temple and he read them. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. The blind see. The blind are going to be ministered. He's out there to minister. The purpose of the Messiah was to come and do the will of God, which was healing, setting free the captives, healing the sick, setting free the oppressed, so forth, all these things. He was supposed to do that. If he just cast himself down, it might be a shortcut, but is it God's will? So he takes what is said, compares it to what God has said, what God has revealed to him as being the will of God, and says it doesn't line up. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. The whole purpose of him coming is to defeat the enemy. At least it's one of the purposes was to defeat the enemy, bring Satan into submission. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. He's basically saying, here's another shortcut. Just worship me for this moment. You can go off and do whatever you want to do. And I'll give you all the authority that I have in this world. I'll give it all back to you. And Jesus says, no. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. We also learned the devil was looking for a more opportune time to come back. The enemy is out to pervert the word that is in you. He is out to get you to be turned on to a different light. It's a light that makes sense to you but it's not a light that is of the word. When we do this, we get stuck. We get stuck. Have you ever been out in your car? Maybe you got out on a dirt road somewhere, and all of a sudden, your tire got stuck in a hole, and you start to go, and it starts to, to spin. You know, it's, it gets on the, on the dirt, and there's nothing for it to grab hold of, and it spins, and what's it do? It digs the hole deeper and deeper and deeper, and you're more and more stuck. And you're not getting out and you, you do everything that you know to do, but what are you? Stuck. We don't want to be stuck. We don't like to be stuck. But we feel powerless when we're stuck. But it, it seems like everything that I try and do, I stay stuck. I'm not moving out. I put this in your outline. To absorb what is close to or like the word is to accept what is not the word. To absorb what is close to or like the word is to accept what is not the word. The word is the word. Something close to it, something like it is not the word. And what Satan wants to try and do, one of his tactics is to give you something that sounds, it's a little bit easier to swallow. It's a little bit easier to comprehend, but it's not the word. And he gets you to, to compromise that. How many of us know Jesus is the healer? But are there not Christians all around this country who believe, well, Jesus is the healer, sure, but sometimes God makes people sick for his purpose. And they accept that as light, don't they? And there's a lot of other things we can do. We can get into on that. But you can see, to absorb what is close to or like the word is to accept what is not the word. Everything the devil is throwing at him 
It's close to what he's trying to accomplish, but it's not quite there. It's not quite lining up with the Word of God. And he wouldn't accept it. The Word, as we said from, uh, from John, the Word is eternal. Anything added is not. Whatever you add to the Word of God, whatever the enemy wants to add to the Word is not eternal. It has not always been here. What is in the Word is eternal. It has always been here. What is not in the Word is not eternal. If it's not eternal, it is not God. If it's not God, it is not creative. If it's not creative, it is not life-giving. And we hang on to words that are not and replace them with the ones that are. And we have the problem. The Word is eternal. Anything added is not. So what happens to the believer if he should walk in this kind of light? What happens to the believer if we accept darkness? Even just a slight bit of it. What happens to the believer? Well, you just think, we'll just go back to that one example. People in the church who believe that God makes some people sick and they come up, they have a sickness or disease. Let's say they contracted something life-threatening and they were coming against it, but it wasn't changing. What do they fall back on? What, what are the words that come out of their mouth? Well, I guess God has a purpose. Right? Is that the word of God? No. But if you, can you get it past them? You can. They're, they're, they're going to hang on to this. And so I can't, get the, I can't move them off of this now because they're on this and they've accepted this as the word of God. And now when the word comes, no, that's not the purpose of God. That's not what he does. I can't get through to them. Did Jesus make anyone sick? All the time he was down here to do the will of God. Did he make anybody sick? Was there a single person he made sick? Not a single one, but he healed a whole lot. Sometimes he'd have a group there, multitudes there, and it's the word of God said he healed most of them. No, what did it say? All. All of them. You would think that if it was the will of God for some people to be sick, he would run into some here and there where, oh, sorry, it's, it's God's will. I, I can't do that. <laughs> you would think that in a, in a group of multitude, when it says he healed them all, you would think that one of them would be the will of God if that was the case. But you see, you can, you can approach people like this. You can tell people this. But because this thing is in there, they can't see it. They have accepted a light that is not his light. They've taken something on that they shouldn't have taken. And they will stumble. They will fall. In general, they will be stuck. Look at verse uh, 6 in John chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. How do we come into the life of God? Receive Jesus. You got to receive Jesus. Not just know about him. There's a whole lot of people then who knew about him, who knew Jesus existed, who knew he was around, maybe even believed he was a good guy. But he said, you got to receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the, of the flesh, 
nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, this light has its operation in us. And this is the thing we have to get down. We have to understand how this light operates in us. Because if you are stuck in a situation, what is going to help you, what is going to pull you out is the light of God. That light comes to give us revelation on what it is that we're facing. That light comes to us to give us revelation of his word. That light comes to us to teach us what we are lacking. That light comes to us to reveal to us what we are up against. That light comes to us to reveal to us what is on our side. That light comes to us to help us. We've got to get a hold of that light. How do we operate in this light? I put this little chart in there. Charts are real fun to do in outlines. Getting all these things to, to line up, especially when I put arrows in them. I almost left that arrow out, but we, we worked it in there, so it's, it's there for you. It, I would have had more of them, but it was battle just to get the one in there. So we just left the, the, the one. But from God, he sends things down to us primarily. And number one way is through his word. The word is the way that he conveys most of his messages. It's through his word. Now, on the sides of that, I put two other things. There is his spirit who also comes and his spirit is involved in the word because it is his spirit who causes us to understand what the truth in the Word of God is. But also, His Spirit will sometimes come to us and speak something to us about our situation. Watch out. Be careful. Don't do. Do this. Go here. He leads us. He directs us in ways the Spirit is, is there to help us. we got to listen to Him. And when He prods us, when He directs us, we need to listen to it. So we have the Word, and we have His Spirit, and we have messengers. Messengers in the Old Testament were very often angels. They're also the prophets. Messengers in the New Testament, we don't hear the angels being involved quite as much. But there are more gifts of the Spirit, or gifts of the, the offices that are there. And these are messengers that come, but they still need to line up with the Word. The Word is the primary way. If I receive something through a messenger, if I receive something through the Spirit, the Word of God says, test the Spirit's. Make sure they line up. Don't, don't just take, take hold of them. Because sometimes, how many of y'all know, sometimes bad light has come into you. Have you ever had this situation come in? Maybe you're at work. You're at work, and you've got some people that you are working with in the office. And in that office, you've got a couple of people. How many in your office, you're working in an office, you have a couple of people that you like more than others? You like some people, you're just drawn to them more. Uh, you, you see things more in the same light, whatever it might be. You have a couple of people in that office that you just spend more time with. If you were going to go out to lunch, you'd be one of these ones, not these ones over here. They're not, not going to go out with these ones. Maybe I'll go out with these guys over here, but not so much over here. We have, we have that list, don't we? We have that, that group. Maybe, maybe you're at an office and there's no one. Ever been there? There's no one. You would go out with it. Okay. Whatever, if we have some people around there. Well, let's say you got two or three people in the office and you feel like you've got a pretty good relationship with them, but then someone comes to you and says something about the other, the ones that you kind of have this friendship going on with. And it brings something in not such a good light. Well, you know what they really feel about you. Well, they may be real friendly with you now, but when you're not here, this is what they say. I know that they went out with lunch with you last week, but they told me they didn't enjoy it at all. You ever been in an office atmosphere like that? Been in an office complex and that kind of stuff is going on? Mm. 
That, and now all of a sudden, this person that you were looking forward to going to lunch with again, um, enjoying to work with, now all of a sudden you get together to work with them. What happens on the inside of you? You kind of stand offish, aren't you? Um, and the person says, is something wrong? No, 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 it's wrong. I'm fine. Something wrong with you? No, no, I'm, I'm fine. Just thought something was wrong. You're just not acting normal. Why aren't you acting normal? Because you're operating under a new light. Now, you don't know whether that light is true or not. I think it's always amazing that you got those uh, in, in the office complex thing. You got a couple of people that you really enjoy, really trust, and you'll let somebody come along that you, that's not in that group tell you something about them and believe them. Why is that? I think we're just kind of prone to bad news or something like that. And so this good relationship you have at the office is suddenly tainted. Don't let it be. If something is worthwhile, take it to them and, and ask them about it. Is this, is this something that happened? If it's not, just let it go. Because you know, there are some people out there that just love to, to mess with you. They just, uh, they just love to get in there and to... <laughs> If, they, if you've got a good friendship going on, they just, some people just want to tear it apart. They have no interest in being a friend with you. They just want to tear it apart. And, uh, and don't let that go on. I told you my, my time over at Ken's Pizza, I saw some people do this. I heard them talk behind the scenes, and I saw what they did in front of these people, and it was night and day. And their purpose was to tear someone apart. Yeah, there's people out there that do that. They just get a kick out of Tearing those kind of relationships apart. Don't, don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. So it'll change you because you're operating under a different light. You've got to resist that light. You've got to resist that. Have you enjoyed that person? Has things been going pretty good with that person? Then just let them keep on going. Don't, don't, don't believe it. Don't trust it. Just keep on, on going. Anyway, look at this process. God comes to us. He speaks to us through the word. There's his spirit and there's also messengers. But this is, the, this is his light. This is his light he brings in in our situation. We need to receive that light. That night, light needs to be untainted. If the light is tainted, if the light is wrong, if the light is mixed with darkness, it is not his light, but we think it is. And it's going to cast a different light on things. It's kind of like, how many like those CSI shows? CSI type shows. My favorite one is NCIS. That's my absolute favorite one. I, I like that one the best. But uh, some of the other ones are, are, are fun, too. But you know what they do? They had that, uh, that stuff they call luminol. Yeah. You know, and they spray it all over the room. And then they put on the glasses or put on the light. And all of a sudden, the room is transformed. And you see stuff. <laughs> that you had, because you got a different light in there. you got that purple light or whatever. It is. They shine that purple light. And all of a sudden, they can see where all the blood is. They don't know what kind of blood it is. They just know it's blood. All right, somebody was killed here or something was killed here or some, we got blood all over here and we got blood here and we got blood trail and then they start following the footsteps and the drops and all this. And you wouldn't have seen it, all, seen it otherwise. But here it all is. Uh, they spray that stuff. And of course, if you watch them enough times, you know how to defeat it. You know how to stop that. In case you were thinking of leaving a blood trail, you <laughs> watch those shows, figure out how to not, to, not to do that. <laughs> But you see, when you have a different light on things, you see stuff. And then you respond to those things otherwise. God gives you His light. His light brings out for you the things you should respond to. And leaves out those things that you should not respond to. The enemy's light comes in to bring your attention to the things he wants you to focus on. 
and not the things that God does. And you can come in with that light and it just changes the whole makeup of things. You're looking at this and I didn't see it this way before. I didn't see it going on like, like this. We got, a, we got a new dynamic that comes in there. Well, it comes to us. And all the time in the Word of God, we hear this repeated. When God's light comes to us, it always comes through the same vehicle. What we hear. Every time, for him who has ears to hear, let him hear. hear. When he begins to teach in proverbs or, or parables, it's because he doesn't want the others to hear. He could be saying the same thing to, to the, a big group, and one group hears this, one group gets mad, another group hears this and gets excited. It's what we hear. So the first thing, it comes to us by what we hear. And so I begin to hear things, but I've got to have the right ears to hear it because you all know you can hear things wrong. Once I hear it, i got the right light, i got the right ears to hear it properly, and then what we believe. Because I'm going to make a, a, a basis. I'm going to do something. There's going to, be, there's going to be a belief that I have out of what I hear. Go back to the office. That person comes to you and says some kind of a nasty thing about that person you thought you were good friends with. And you hear, and did it change your belief? You were operating previously in the belief that person was your friend. Now all of a sudden that belief is challenged and you have to be faced with the situation. Am I going to change my belief that that person is my friend or am I going to operate in a new belief? What we hear creates what we believe. Remember, the word has creative power. When we hear it, it creates in us a belief. You hear the wrong stuff, you're going to create the wrong belief. You hear the right stuff, you can create the right belief. So it's here, believe, and last, put in action. We're going to hear. I'm going to form a belief. Go back to the office again. I heard something. I, be, I changed my belief about that individual that I thought was my friend, that I thought was my buddy. I changed my belief, and then I put something into action. I began to say things about that person. I began to act in a different way towards that person. Did it not change the way that you acted? Or I can say, I'm not going to believe that. You can simply say to the person who's bringing you that rumor, I know that person. I've been working with them for a while. I don't believe that that's true. But I tell you what, let's go ask them. <laughs> nah, they won't do that. You hear, you believe, you put into action. That includes what we say and what we do. When you put, some, when you put a belief into action, it includes what you say with your mouth and what you do. Both things are involved. How many of y'all know, you're, you're, the, the, well, the Word of God tells us this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I have a belief in my heart, my mouth is eventually going to speak it. It's going to come out. So I can probably suppress it a little bit here and there, but it's going to come out. So I hear, I believe, I put it into action with what I say and with what I do. If the light in us is tainted, what happens to the end result actions that we do? If the light 
that we are under has some darkness in it, what happens to the actions? Well, we heard the wrong thing. We believed the wrong thing. Therefore, we acted in a different way. And uh, how many have ever had something going on in your body for a long time? It, may just, it just didn't seem to go. Just came to say, we've all had that sort of thing going on. And we know that we get into the Word of God. We listen to, t- to teachers. We got some, some favorite ones, maybe. Maybe we got some stuff on our uh, iPod or whatever it is your music device is. You have uh, certain teachers that you like to listen to for healing. They're going over healing. They're going, going over what you should do, how you should, st- Brother Hagin's story, what he did. Other people's stories, what they did, they faced these terminal diseases, they faced these terrible things, and they overcame them. And you listen to these things, and, and you, you begin to think, wow, I'm, I'm doing all that sort of stuff. And, and I'll tell you what, that's one of the hardest places to get when we think we are doing all that we're supposed to do, and it doesn't change. It just keeps going on the same way. That's a hard thing to do. It's, it's not changing. And so what happens is the enemy keeps coming against us, keeps coming against us, keeps coming against us. He's trying to get us into a different light. If he gets us into a different light, changes our belief, which changes our actions. How many times have you talked to people and you can hear what they're saying? We know that Mark eleven twenty three 23 says. Anybody remember that verse? Most of us could probably quote it, huh? Go ahead and put it up there on the screen. We ought to just take a look at it and, and, and read it. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. says. Now look at this, but believes that those things he says, that's present, will be done. That's future. What I'm saying now will be done. That's future. He will have whatever he says. Go to 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What I need to do is at the point that I pray, the point that I speak to the mountain, the point that I do something, I need to believe that I have received them. How many times have you talked to believers? They're say, how many times have it been us? <laughs> that, well, I asked God for that, but I just... Haven't gotten it yet. I cringe every time I hear that. You try and talk to people about it. Well, I know I should. I know, but I just haven't gotten it yet. What does that verse say? Believe that you receive them and you will have them. I'll tell you what. Sometimes we have faced some things, some small stuff. Anybody ever faced, you know, health thing? You just face some small stuff. Uh, A little growth in your body, a little rash. Something that's, yeah, it's not life-threatening. It's just small. You should be glad. Glory to God, I get to try this stuff out. Every time you go up to the mirror and you see that thing, what you should do? Ah, oh, I thought I received my healing on that. No, what you should do? Some people will look at that in the mirror. Oh, I didn't get it. Father God, I, I ask right now that I receive my healing on that thing. Well, you got it before when <laughs> you said it. It said, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So what you do is you look at that sucker, you're a liar. I received my healing. I am healed. That thing is done. That rash is not growing. Healing power has come into my body, because that's what the Word of God said, and I am healed. And there's sometimes that you've got to be just a little doggone tough with it. Fred Price, I told you his story. When he first learned about these principles of healing, 
he believed God for a cold to go away. I'm no medication, nothing. I'm going cold turkey on this thing. No NyQuil to sleep with, <laughs> nothing. And it took him six weeks to get over that cold. He told us, he said, now in the natural, cold does not last for six weeks. He was facing something different. But you see, he developed endurance on something as small as a cold. Now, if you have a cold for six weeks, you know you are not comfortable. But you're not dying. You're not dying. All right, let's take a look at the forces that are against us. What brings the enemy's attention to us? There's been confusion on this in the body of Christ. We have covered some of these things before, but we got to make sure that we're, we stay in line with this because we have to stay, take what's in the Word of God. What brings the enemy's attention on us? You all may know this already, but the quickest way for a mother to get the attention of her children is to sit down and to look comfortable. Right? <laughs> sit down, look comfortable. Your kids will be right there. Don't know where they are. Just sit down, look comfortable. They'll find you. I'm told, you know, you can have a few minutes to yourself at the end of the day if you just wash the dishes or something like that. But sit down, do nothing, look comfortable. They'll all be all over you. There are three things in the Word of God that brings attention. Three ways that this light is tried to be dimmed. Three ways in which the light is attacked. The first way is through temptation. Temptation comes to draw us away. That's the purpose of temptation. It is to draw you away from what you are supposed to do. And so it begins to tempt you. We know that we are supposed to love the brethren. We know that we are supposed to walk in forgiveness, but we become tempted to be bitter and angry. Draws us away, right? Why do we feel tempted to become bitter and angry? Because I've been wrong. Because somebody did something to me and they shouldn't have done it and we get ourselves all worked up. The sourcefulness is our flesh nature. It's our flesh nature in us, enticed by what is around us. We all know there's just stuff around us. If it's not around you, it's not enticing you. But if it's around you, here it is. It entices us. It's calling you. If you're trying to lose weight, and you walk through the mall, and you have the smells of the food court. What is that doing? See, it's around you. It's, it's nearby. It's around you. If you weren't at the food court, you wouldn't be smelling it. But you're there. You're walking through the food court. And, and it begins to draw you in. Come. Enjoy. Here it is. Pizza. Pasta. Steak. Whatever it is that you like. Maybe for some of you it would be Chinese food. That wouldn't tempt me. So this is the source. It's our flesh nature. It's enticing us by what is around us. You can't take authority over your flesh nature. You've got to discipline it. You take authority over the enemy. You discipline your flesh nature. What does Paul say about his body? I bring my body under, lest I be disqualified. In James chapter 1, verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he, tempt, does he himself tempt anyone. In other words, if something has come on you, don't you dare say, God did it. Because God doesn't do this. The Greek is very emphatic on this. He says, let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one of us is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. There is no evidence that the enemy is involved here. It's you. You can take authority over the enemy all you want to. 
It's you. It's your desire. I want that thing. I want to buy that. I want to eat that. I want to do that, whatever it might be. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When he says, let no one say, he says, you have been saying this and you need to stop it. That's what he's saying. We can get into that more, but just wanted to throw that out here for you. But each one, when he is tempted, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That's what happens here. Number two, attacks come to neutralize the seed that is sown in us. The source here is the enemy. It's because of what is in us. So attacks come to neutralize the seed that is sown in us. The goal is to either neutralize, steal, take away, whatever it is. We've got to get that seed that has been sown to be removed from you. We have temptation, which involves our flesh. We have attacks, which involve the enemy. And these are the things that come against you. Mark chapter 4, you know this real, real well. We're just going to read through it real quick. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately. Who comes? Who's, this? Who's Satan? The enemy. The enemy. The, this is not your flesh. Temptation is your flesh. This is the enemy. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown amongst thorns. These, they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in choking the word and becomes unfruitful. That's really a synopsis of temptation. You are tempted by all these other things to come in to get your attention, to pull yourself away from it. Number, the, the third area, the third soil is more like temptation. The first one is the one we're talking about. When the seed is sown, the birds are sent in and they attack. They begin to come in there and gobble up the seed. And the reason for it, the Word of God tells us, is because they did not understand the Word. One place where this is talked about, it says, because they did not understand, the enemy stole it. There are attacks that will come against you to neutralize the Word. When the Word of God, when you have received revelation from God, when something is learned about the Word of God in you, you receive that, immediately the enemy comes to try and steal it. He is coming to get the word. He is not coming because of where you are or what you're doing. He is coming because of what? The word comes because of that. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Another, another uh, section of the gospel tells us it's because they don't understand it. That's it. Let's get into the third one. The third area, the third way is persecution. Persecution comes because of our stand for the word, his blessings and his name. Look at the third uh, soil again. Um, where, did we, where was that one? I lost it. Let's go back up at verse 16. We'll find it. The, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for what? For what? For the word's sake. 
Why are you persecuted? Because people don't like you? Because of your family? Because of your church? Why, do, why are you persecuted? For the word's sake. Why were the disciples persecuted in the book of Acts? Because of the word that they spoke, because of the testimony of Jesus, because they stood for his name. Doesn't Jesus also say, because of my name, you'll have persecution? There's also the blessings. The word of God tells us that you will receive blessings in this life and persecutions. Persecution comes for three things. The word's sake, the blessings, and for standing for his name. Now, people are persecuted for other reasons, but they're not scriptural. Some, some Christians are persecuted because they're stupid. Not much you can do about that. They just do stupid things, and they blame it on God, and they're persecuted for it, and that's not God. You get persecuted when you do what the Word says. Well, you get persecuted when you hang on to the Word because the Word is light and the world is darkness. And the, the world doesn't like light. So when it sees light, it's not seeing you. It's seeing the light and it persecutes it. It persecutes the light. That's what it's out to do. So persecution comes because our, of our stand for the word, his blessings and his name. The source on this is the world because they are not like us. The enemy is because of what is in us or because he's against us. The flesh enticed because of what is around us. This is why attacks come. This is why you, you, are, you get picked on at times. You are going to be Tempted, but that's because of your flesh. You're going to be attacked. This is the enemy because he's trying to get the word out of you. And you're going to be persecuted because the world can't stand light. That's the reason. Don't mix them up. The enemy can stir up the world, but it is the world that persecutes you, not the enemy. It is the world. The enemy is the one who attacks the word. You've really got to understand this. This is so important because we are, we are calling so many things the enemy. What the enemy, well, the enemy's doing this. Well, the enemy, no, no, the enemy attacks the word. That's what he does. He hears the word, he attacks the word. He comes after it. He wants to get that word out of you. He, want to get, he wants to get you to stop acting on that word. He wants to get that word confused. He wants to get that word, somehow we got to get that word to stop working in you. He comes after the word. Temptation comes because of your flesh. Discipline it. Persecution comes because of the world. Live with it. Understand it. They are going to persecute you. They persecuted Jesus. They persecuted the apostles. They persecuted all those who followed him. What, do you, what makes you think you're different? That is going to come out there. But the word teaches that attacks come to us in these three ways. And for these three reasons. It does not come because, I've heard this from people before. Well, I used to be doing just fine until I got into a word church. Then it just seems like the devil started attacking me. And they think it's because they're in the word church. Why does the devil attack you? 
Because of the word that is in you. <laughs> so if you got into a church that's teaching the word, then you got the word in you, which woke up the enemy to come against you. So you could just get rid of the word in you. That'll work. Right? Is that what you'd want to do? No. But see, sometimes the enemy can put this into people's mind. Well, you never had this before just because you're in a word church. No, don't, don't give in to that. The word of God teaches us the devil goes about seeking whom he may devour. Right? Who is it that he can devour? Obviously not everyone. You ever watch this in the ocean? You've watched the, the shark going along, sharks uh, swimming, and you, you got other small fish that are, want to be eaten by the, or the, the shark wants to eat them. And small fish, and they all get into a school. And so the shark begins to chase the school. What's the shark looking for? Straggler. Someone's a little slower, someone who gets off, someone just make a, makes a left turn when everyone else makes a right turn. Something like that. One lion's out in the field, and he's chasing the gazelles. Which one? I mean, he can take any of those gazelles out, right? He's a lion. But which one does he go after? The one that separates. So he chases the whole pack for the purpose of finding the one who separates. So the Word of God says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Which one's he going to devour? The one that separates. So he comes in with this word. You're getting persecuted because you're in the word church. Oh, that's what it is. So what's he wanting to get you to do? Separate. What's he do when you separate? Get devoured. <laughs> he can't devour you when you're in the pack. He's got to wait for you to separate, to move out a little bit. So you can't get everybody. Don't buy into it. Don't take into any, anything like that. He cannot, the devil cannot attack you because your parents did something. The, the, the devil cannot attack you because a brother or sister did something. Can't do it. That does not give him the right to attack you. Doesn't matter if you're what church you're into. Doesn't matter any of those. Doesn't matter what neighborhood you live. I just think everybody in our, our place. No, that's not it. The devil will come against you and you've got to understand why it is he comes because otherwise you have the wrong light you're going after the, and you'll, you're defending against the wrong thing. He comes against you, first off, to get the word. He wants to try and separate you from the rest, get you isolated, and then come in for the kill. That's his tactics. That's what he does. The things that are around you that are enticing you, that's your flesh. The world that is persecuting you is because you have the light in you. If the world is not persecuting you, you probably don't have the light. If the enemy is not attacking you, you probably don't have any seed. Do you ever see the birds all gather on the ground in an area? They're all in the area. You know why they're there? Because there's some seed there. If the devil's gathering around you, it's because there's seed and he wants to get it out. That's okay. Don't let him get it out. Let that seed grow, become something strong, become something good. We have become stuck in our situations because we don't understand the attacks of the enemy. We don't understand the light. And when light has come and we've accepted it, we haven't always challenged that light. Is that light lining up with what we know from the Word of God? 
There's some strong Christians out there that you tell them something that's in the Word of God and they won't believe it. We've told you this before. This is the pattern of this church. We will always do this. Whatever we are to dominate our life by is taught in the Word clearly, often, and we are given examples. And if you are trying to adapt anything that is not taught in the Word clearly, often, and there is no one that there is an example of, you probably have the wrong light. And you need to back off of that light and get the right light. No harm in understanding that, you know what? I got the wrong revelation on this. I accepted the wrong thing. And that's why. Because you are powerless against the enemy when the light is not of him. Make sure your light's of him. Keep on going back. You got three prongs there to help you out. You got the word, you got the spirit, and you got messengers in the body of Christ. All to help you out. Make sure you use them. You're not in this by yourself. If you get isolated where no one else can talk to you, no one else can speak into your life, no one else can tell you what's going on, and you're setting yourself up to be devoured by a lion. God does not want you to be devoured. Thank God for that. You don't have to be devoured. We can go on and be, and be strong. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We want to operate in the light and not accept any other light, only the light that comes from you. We have a way to check it out. When false light comes, instantly we should know. That's not right. Instantly we should know in our spirit because our spirit doesn't bear witness with it. We don't see it in the word of God. We should know instantly that's not it. But if we've gotten past all those things, we can always go up to others in the body of Christ and ask them, does this seem like it lines up, this belief I have, does it line up with the word of God? And we can get help. For Father, we don't want to be stuck in the same place, doing the same thing and not getting, over, not getting victory, not getting overcome. For you want us to overcome. I thank you for the help that you give us. Just as that... The people that were in the New Testament, Jesus came to them. The one woman was bent over for so many years. It didn't just become the will of God for her to be free. That woman with the issue of blood had that issue of blood for so many years. It didn't just become the will of God to set her free. The lame man at the gate, the lame man that Jesus saw at the pool, they were so many years in that condition. It didn't just become the will of God for them to get healed. Many times we are stuck in a situation and it is not the will of God. There is something else going on. But we're resisting the light that would be coming into our life to show us what's going on. But once we get that light and we get that revelation and we accept it, just like these people, instantly that flow of blood can be dried, dried up. Instantly they can be made to, the lane can be made to walk. Instantly the blind eye can be restored. Instantly these things can happen. Father, we need to realize I may have some wrong light in there. Father God, show me what the wrong light is that I can change it, get my belief right. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have um, some praise reports. I got a couple of them up here. Got some more. Anybody else got yours? Just pass them on into the, into the, the way here. Hold it. Okay, from Chelsea. 
Go ahead. Okay, I think we're good now. Says from Chelsea, I thank God for lots of revelation and growing in Him this week. I feel closer to Him every day. Mm. Amen. From Ethel, says I was awarded the buyout from uh, FedEx with the date I wanted, which is not the 30th, 2013. Um, from Ray, says uh, God has blessed me with a new position. At Grandview, I am now the night nursing supervisor. Um, says it takes responsibility of the hospital at night um, and the rest of my shoulders. Uh, a modest pay raise accommodates this position on my daily prayer is of wisdom. Okay. <laughs> I think it gets to be here every Sunday, too. Yeah, we need to get bigger people, I see. And Darrell, he says, I... What do you get the bruises? <laughs> I purpose to return my thighs to the Lord. In doing so, I saw a shortfall in my finances. I made a decision to give, and within one hour, a job... Wow, a job came in that day. Not only it covered the shortfall, but there was an overflow. Praise God. Yes. Bruce Jacobs. <laughs> I think his pen started to lose ink here. Um, after going to the hospital in severe pain and treated with several uh, narcotics, said he got some IVs, there was no pain relief. But shortly thereafter, shortly thereafter the prayers went out which I guess came from this church, and my pain was relieved. Doctors could not understand why their drugs weren't working. <laughs> and were just as puzzled because they suspected um, an issue with my back and pelvis. But the x-rays and ultrasound showed a 100% picture, perfect model. <laughs> Thanks to Dr. Bruce who worked on those areas, several, uh, I guess he's talking about several areas prior Hours. to this. Thanks to Phyllis and my boys and Ms. Gladys who also helped so much. Hmm. Wow. Good report, amen? amen? You know this guy? And this guy here, he said it about two weeks ago, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> on my way to work, uh, you know, a kid just... I just for some reason, just before I got to a certain section, I guess the Holy Spirit just, you know, was telling me to just, um, just to, to drive. Uh, you know, I usually drive normal, but it still gets a little crazy once you get out of the suburbs and to do usually. the Philadelphia. It gets crazy. They don't recognize what the school light is and, and all of that stuff. <laughs> but this kid just ran across the street, I mean, just without looking, mm -hmm. on a green light. Mm. And I was able way before to just, you know, pay attention to his Holy Spirit to drive and be more alert. So mm. I thank God for, you know, the Holy Spirit for Amen. allowing me to know before. I'll see whether I had something else on the Subaru. What's that? We would have ended up with something extra on the Subaru. Oh, you would have. I got it. I got it. I'm with you now. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. We, we thank you for these uh, praise reports. Be looking all week long. You can write something down. You can write more than one down, too. You can write two down. There is no limit.
You can write more than one down. Just write them on down there and put them in, and we'll, we'll uh, read them off here at the end of the service. We want to hear what it is that you all are, that God is doing in you. So my wife will write these up, and we'll get the uh, other ones that she wrote up, and we'll make them uh, available up there on the website for you to see them. All right, we can stand up again. Have a great rest of the day, Mother's Day. We have some things for the moms on the way out. And also they are doing the Mommy Mia uh, light brunch. It's just a light brunch. I just wanted to kind of go in just for a little bit and then head on back out to where it is you're going to go to. But that's going to go over uh, next door. So on your way out, you have some things to pick up and then uh, head on over to to the Children's Church. But we thank you all for joining with us here today. Have a great rest of your day.